The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this week, uh, this is our second week of the political theme for Movie Club, and just in case you've never listened to the podcast, the idea of Movie Club started almost two years ago, um, because Corey and I have a massive gap list of movies that we know we should see, but for some reason we haven't. And to make things worse, we're both avid collectors of movies, and we own a bunch that we've never seen, um, but we've bought because we've heard they're good, or we expect them to be good, or we know that we'll like them if we ever give them the time of day. And this uh, podcast kind of helps us to work through those movie uh, blunders and blind spots and gaps. And um, this week, we watched uh, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, a uh, Stanley Kubrick film that Corey had never seen, and I've only seen within the last three years. Um, so this is my second viewing, but Corey's first. Uh, we'll be getting to our full review later in the episode. We do a non-spoiler review and then a full spoiler review. Um, but for the meantime, Corey, how you doing? Trying not to freeze. So excited it's the weekend. Ah, do you have a three-day weekend like myself? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not bragging, but I have a three-day weekend. So. <laughs> well, I wish that I did too, except then I'd have to use my PTO for it, and then, mm. you know, I'd rather use that for cool things. Well, I have a three-day weekend without having to use anything, because it is Veterans Day uh, this coming Monday, and I am a teacher, so we are off. And then, um, I only have four days next week, with one of those four days being an early release day. And then we're on Thanksgiving break, so, like, I'm kind of... Damn! Yeah, and then we have three weeks, and then Christmas break for two, so, like... A lot of stuff is going to be happening really rapidly. Um, and more movies. Like tomorrow, uh, we're recording this on a Friday night. Tomorrow I'm getting up kind of early and driving out to Disney Springs. I've got two more weekends with the AMC Stubbs uh, premiere um, A-list, which I'm gonna, I am gonna—I am canceling only because of the drive. I really wish there was an AMC like, down the road for me and I would keep this. Oh. Um, but I have two more weekends of three movies. And tomorrow I'm planning on seeing The Girl with the Girl... With the spider in the spider web, the with the spider's web. I don't remember what it's called. Um, the new reboot of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo franchise with Claire Foy taking the role. Um, I we'll talk about what we watched lately, and I'll talk about the original. Well, not the original. The David Fincher version of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in a little bit. Um, but then I'm also planning on seeing the new uh, Melissa McCarthy movie. Um, Can you ever forgive me? I think is what it's called. Um, where she is forging uh, <gasps> author's letters. Yeah, I'm really looking that forward to that one. so interesting. And then the last movie, I'm ending my day with Overlord, the J.J. Uh, Abrams-produced uh, Nazi zombie war movie. Um, oh, yeah. That I think is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to just, like, turn the brain off at the end of the day and just let zombie mayhem ensue. Um, Matt, from what I watched tonight, has given me that I should be very satisfied if that's what I'm looking for. So... I'm excited about checking that one out. Um, so I'll be all those reviews will be up on BurkeReviews.com later in the week uh, as well. I just posted my Bohemian Rhapsody review. Um, so if, if you're listening to this now, it was a couple days ago. But I have a review of Beautiful Boy coming up and 
uh, 29 to Life, which is an indie film that I, I watched on Amazon Prime. Uh, all those reviews will be up at BerkReviews.com over the next couple of uh, days slash week or so. Um, and yeah, that's I've been doing a lot of movie stuff this week. Um, I've watched a few things, but how about you, Corey? Have you watched anything uh, recently? Uh, I finally saw Halloween. Oh, the new one? Yes. What'd you think? I loved it. <laughs> I did too. I've... The, there's some people who really aren't into it. And I, I just don't get what they don't like about it. But like uh, our friend, he said it was fine, and I was like, "No!" I was like, "The kills were good." You know, I don't remember H2O that well. I haven't seen it since it first mm-hmm. came out for, you know, home viewing. I don't remember it being horrible, but like they, there were like no holding back with the kills in this movie. Yeah. People that I mean, like he killed a, you know, it was just. Yeah, I don't know. We won't spoil anything, but yeah, um, yeah, and there's some really cool like cinemographic stuff in the, the film. I, awesome. I I love the uh, the tracking shot that you see in the trailer, but it's much cooler when you see it in the movie. It's a little longer and uh, just it's so creepy and and kind of horrifying. Um, yeah, I really like the new movie. There's some parts that are clearly uh, Danny McBride humor kind of coming to the forefront. But, um, yeah, it, I, I enjoyed it. Um, at the beginning, I think it was with some of the, um, some of the dialogue. I was just like, what did I get myself into? But that went away real quick. Yeah. The podcasters. Oh, excuse me. It has been a long day. Um, the podcasters, one, I found it kind of amusing as we are podcasters, um, that they chose podcasters, which makes sense. But then even I was, uh, just playing the new WWE game on my PS4 before uh, calling you and there's like a podcast element to the creative player like storyline mode and like you have to like listen to these podcasts to keep up with like what's going on with like what you're doing in the story mode and it's like so weird a game's making me listen to podcasts but (laughs) you know um, I guess they're that that invasive trying to stay hip and happening I guess true that Um, I don't did we record last Friday or did we record early last week? Oh, we recorded early last week. Yes. Okay. Cause, yeah. Because I'm trying to like remember what movies I need to talk about, but now I now I know. So all right. Um, have you seen anything other than Halloween? Um, not that I can think of. Well, I want to because uh, we I don't usually talk about shows. Um, I'm more of a movie person, but I I've been into Psych and I just got to season three. Um, I'm not binging it. I'm watching it periodically, and I am watching a lot of times. It's in the background while I'm doing other stuff. Um, but I've really gotten into Psych. And, uh, Psych Season 3, Episode 1 uh, is the last one I saw, but I also think it's where you can tell that they finally realize they have some gold here, and it's not just, like, another USA show. Because it just... It, I Not to diss the first two seasons. The first two seasons are excellent. But uh, Season 3, Episode 1, it was just... It blew me away how great it was. There's some hilarious moments and uh man james roday i cannot oversell how great he is if you have not given pushing dead a chance it is on amazon prime cannot stress enough how great his performance is there and if you were like me and slept on psych it is on prime as well and i i love it so highly recommend um and that's where i'll end my tv talk but i got some movies to power through here um I, i went with my family and saw bohemian rhapsody last friday uh, loved it. I don't know why people are hating on it. I had a blast with the movie. I thought it was super excellent. And I've been listening to Queen pretty much ever since. Um, 
which is also Corey made me listen to some David Bowie that I'd never heard before. <gasps> and like... uh, oh, you're gonna ask me that question. Um, I don't know. There's a song on the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One soundtrack from David mm-hmm. Bowie that I like a whole lot. I don't know what it was called, but um, I was like, "Who is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's David Bowie." I'll be darned. Um, so yeah, I might have to actually like dive into Bowie's. Collection. Oh, Moon Age Daydream. Yes, that's. I didn't true. really pay attention to that soundtrack. It was good in the movie, but I, you know what I mean. I didn't yeah. go looking for it after. Oh, well, I I have like a I, after listening to just Queen, I started just doing like Queen inspired like stations and stuff, and that's where that song popped up. So I was just like, ah, I didn't realize this was on the Guardians soundtrack, but, um, but yeah, my wife and daughter also love Bohemian. We had a really good time. Remy Malik is phenomenal. Um, I went and saw Beautiful Boy the day after, which is the Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet movie. Um, it's a really good movie, but it's really, really hard to watch. Um, I don't think I could sit through it again. Uh, I was very uncomfortable and tense throughout the film. I thought both performances were really good. Um, I watched 29 to Life, which was a, a indie film on Amazon Prime. It's not great, but it's got some really good stuff, and I definitely want to encourage... Um, young filmmakers who are, are trying and obviously getting some distribution uh, there's some really good laughs and there's a really strong performance from their female lead um, whose name I'm trying to get to is not going to show up on here alright well thanks Letterbox for failing me there um, anyways the female lead is good although her character is written by a male and it's tr- the traditional kind of trope she has no real interest of her own she's there to serve the male protagonist and help him along his journey while she just, you know, apparently neglects her own life, or at least her own life goes without any issue because she's apparently okay, despite dedicating so much time to this loser protagonist. Um, I went back in time, Corey, and watched a 1933 film called Duck Soup, starring the Marx Brothers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been listening to this really cool podcast that is... Uh, start. Uh, I wouldn't say stars, but features Paul Shear, who is a actor, comedian, um, and podcaster, and then Amy Nicholson, who's usually a film critic but now a podcaster as well. Uh, it's called Unspooled, and they're going through the AFI Top 100. So every oh. episode is a different movie on the AFI Top 100, which is coincidentally something I've been kind of doing myself, not as actively, but it just so happened uh, their November 1st episode was Duck Soup. I didn't know that. I. Uh, watched the movie and I was like oh the next episode for me to listen to is Duck Soup so that worked out um I'm only listening to the episodes of the movies that I've seen um but and they they uh pick the movies at random they have a hundred sided die and they roll the die and that's the movie they watch next kind of thing hundred sided die oh yeah yeah it's a thing um nerds know uh but Duck Soup's an hour long uh you know vintage Marx Brothers uh humor I I liked it um, I am. I generally prefer story, and the movie definitely is not concerned with story. It's just concerned with the comedy, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And there are some very funny moments. Um, I found a lot of it very mean spirited, though, and and didn't laugh as much as I thought I would. But mm-hmm. and I like the Three Stooges, so I don't know. Maybe I was just not fully in the mood for that comedy or whatnot. But um, and then I'll I'll wrap through these last couple real quick. Uh, I showed my. Visual Technology Classes E.T., The Extraterrestrial, this week. Yes. Um, so I got to revisit that. I hadn't seen that in a while. I, that movie still holds up. I really enjoyed it. Um, also on the AFI Top 100. Um, I showed my uh, my f- Film 2 class, um, My Neighbor Totoro, which you and I watched about a year ago, I think. 
um, on for movie club already. It, it may not Holy. have been a whole year, but I it, it's we watched it within the last year. How about that? Okay. And um, I I was we're doing a study on how seasons affect character, tone, and plot. Um, and so we watched a fall movie. We watched a winter movie, uh, which was last week. We watched Let the Right One In, um, which they loved, by the way. And then uh, picking a movie about spring that wasn't featuring spring break was really challenging. Oh. Um, or finding one, I should say. And I was like, you know what? My Neighbor Totoro totally feels like spring because of the like the, the design, all the flowers, and the, the idea of like new hope uh, as they move to a new place. And they're all wistful and hopeful. And I'll tell you, uh, a room full of you know somewhat jaded junior high school students really had a blast with My Neighbor Totoro. They were really like – and most of them had never seen it. A few of them are really big into anime. Um, but they were laughing and having a good time with the movie. And uh, although a lot of them didn't like the little girl May, who is uh, voiced on the American dub as by Elle Fanning, and um, it was several who thought she was really annoying. And I was like, oh boy, because next week for our summer movie, <laughs> we're watching the Florida Project, and I'm like, Ooh, oh, you're probably not gonna like this next movie if you didn't like May, because Mooney definitely pushes some buttons, especially early in the film. Um, but, uh, then I obviously watched Dr. Strangelove for the second time. And then tonight, right before this podcast, I watched, uh, David Fincher's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Corey, holy yes. crap. I really love this movie. Um, do you, I've been, yeah, I honestly, I thought it had like a bad re- reception. And when I went looking it's like a really positive, uh, Rotten Tomato score is like 88 and it's a 74 Damn. on Metacritic. So I don't know where I got in my head that it wasn't something I wanted to see. Because then when you look at the cast, um, obviously I'm a, I'm a fan of Daniel Craig. I, I've loved Rooney Mara and everything I've seen her in. Christopher Plummer's in this, who I also have been a big fan of. Um, we get, uh, Stellan Sarsgaard, Robin Wright, um, and that's, those are the big names that I know, um, but I... I mean, it's not an easy movie to watch. Like, I don't want to sell it where it's like, it's a Fincher film, so it's going to be kind of dark and it's going to have some stuff that makes you very, very uncomfortable. But man, Rooney Mara is a freaking powerhouse in this movie. And I really, really liked her performance. Um, And I I do, I am a fan of Daniel Craig. I don't think I've seen a performance from him that I don't like. Um, Even Logan Lucky, I think he was the highlight to me of that film. And uh, Layer Cake, which is one of his early films, maybe his first film, I loved. And what I didn't know, and I was kind of excited to realize, uh, thanks to Letterboxd, when I clicked on uh, David Fincher, this was the last movie of his that I had not seen. So I've now seen all of David Fincher's films, um, except for the supposed World World War Z 2 that is supposed to be in production. Oh, I like. There is one I've not seen. Um, He has a Rick Springfield, the real the beat of the live drum uh which i've i'm not gonna watch but i i forgot there is one film i haven't seen and i i still can't believe it's a fincher film because it just does not seem like a fincher film uh the curious case of benjamin button i've never watched it's the last one that i've never seen and i still my brain can't wrap itself around this idea that this is a fincher movie because it doesn't look dark like his other stuff you know most of his other films i mean look we have zodiac alien 3 panic room the game seven social network um and fight club and those all and and the girl's dragon tattoo all have like really dark themes and deal with kind of like you know how awful humanity can be and then it's like 
the curious case of Benjamin Button, and I'm like, wait, what? Now hold on. Um, so I, that's the last one. I'm gonna have to watch it just so because I am a completionist, and now that I've realized I'm so close, I'll have to give it a go. Um, but yeah, I I think you need to check out the girl with the dragon tattoo uh, pretty quickly, Corey. It I is, really like Rooney Mara. I and I know, so I'm actually surprised you haven't seen it. Um, it's a and you like Robin Wright a whole lot too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think it's a movie, uh, that's worth your time. It is a tough watch. There are some scenes in it that are very, very, uh, dis- dis- disconcerting and just, dis- and just awful. Um, but man, what a, a mystery that just, uh, it's so cool. And I want to now buy the, uh, the Norwegian trilogy because I'm very into this character idea too. Um, also I do want to compare the first movies, uh, and then tomorrow, as I mentioned, I'm going to see the girl in the spider web, uh, and Claire Foy takes on that role. And I like Claire Foy so far in what I've seen her in, which is not much. Um, I have not watched the crown, I think is the show she's on. Um, and I have seen first man. And while I didn't love that movie, um, I didn't dislike the movie either. I just kind of found it a little dull at times and nowhere near as exciting as I had anticipated. Um, I did find Claire Foy in that to be really great. So I'm looking forward to this new one even though I've heard mixed things about it so far, but, and that is what I've been watching, Corey. Dig. Well, I've got that done. <laughs> Ouch. Um, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no. Um, well, I have, uh, you know, there's some other stuff that's come out that I've not got to see yet, like the Grinch. Um, cause my wife wants to see that one. And then, uh, the Nutcracker, my wife wants to see, I'm not really that convinced that I want to see it, but, doesn't look very good yeah and then um the movie that i really wanted to see and it was at our the amc last weekend but i wasn't able to get up there and now it's not there was suspiria uh oh damn yeah i really you know i'm not sure why i'm excited to see it um because we didn't love the first the well the original suspiria and yet i still want to give this one a go um you know, I and I know we have an unpopular opinion to not love Suspiria, but but I really don't care. I feel like yeah. everyone no, else is wrong. I'm just like, how can you? I I don't really know. And I'm, I just... I, I will admit I am generally a person who likes story, and I don't feel like that movie's trying to really deliver story. But I I can like movies that don't do story, like My Neighbor Totoro. There's a story, but there's not really like a plot. Nothing. There's no real conflict. It, things just happen, and we're it's very episodic slice of life. And I'm okay with that in some instances. Um, but Suspiria just nothing clicked for me. And yes, there was some pretty production, but that it takes a lot for me to really be like, ooh, pretty. Um, so yeah, I was I was not impressed, and nor was I like this is a horrible movie as far as like is this badly made or what? Well, I don't know. It's been a while since we watched it. I just know I didn't like it. And, uh, apparently many, 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 many people do. I don't get it, but you know, I am, I am me, I guess when it's end of the day. And that's my opinion. So, um, we're going to get into our review unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about. I'm good. All right. So before we get into our spoiler free review of Dr. Strange love or, how I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Uh, let's go through some stats. It has a 96 on Metascore out of only 11 reviews, though, so that's not very many, but it has an 8.4 IMDb user score. It came out in 1964. Um, 
directed by the very famous and very successful Stanley Kubrick, um, stars Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, Sterling Hayden, uh, Keenan Wynn, Slim Pickens, Peter Bull, um, James Earl Jones, very, very young James Earl Jones, uh, one female character who's barely in the movie named Tracy Reed, um, and then it, and a bunch of other people who are mainly extras. Uh, if you don't know, and I don't know if you caught this or not, Corey, but Peter Sellers plays three characters. Um, he plays uh, the group captain Lionel Mandrake, um, who is at the base. He plays the president, and then he also plays the titular character, Dr. Strangelove. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, and uh, he's phenomenal in each role, in my opinion. Um I, I watched this uh, a while back, and I very much enjoyed this movie when I saw it uh, the first time. Um, it is not... There's nothing in its initial viewing to me that makes me think of Stanley Kubrick. Um, nope. Because I think of, you know, The Shining or um, 2001. I have not watched Clockwork Orange. That's on my uh, gap list that eventually I will finally watch. Um, but... Uh, and then we watched Lolita um, on this podcast not too long ago. No, I didn't like that movie. The movie made me uncomfortable. I, I definitely don't think it's a bad movie by any means. But, yeah, the subject matter is tough. Although I am a big fan of uh, James Mason, I want to say. I'm, yep. As I say that. that and sounds I'm like, right. I'm a big fan of the guy whose name I can't remember. But um, uh, this one... It's you know one it's a comedy I I think it might be Kubrick's only comedy, um which you know is awesome that it's a comedy, and uh, well this is one of my really early reviews in fact when I started uh this website I started with the three hundred sixty six challenge, um this was number nine of the three sixty six so this is one of the earliest movies I watched when I started BerkReviews.com, which means my review is probably junk as I was still kind of feeling out how to do it and uh, how I wanted to articulate thoughts. Um, that's interesting. I, I noted, I'm looking at my review just for, uh, you know, fun. And um, I was honestly distracted. I wrote, I was honestly distracted for the first 20 minutes of the film. And I was less distracted this time, but I still felt like I was not heavily invested for the first little bit of the movie. I don't think it was 20 Same. minutes, but... Then I just get sucked into this film as it goes, and I am, like, I, I, uh, sometimes, I, I, at home, I find my phone as a much bigger distraction than when I'm in a theater, mm-hmm. and this movie, uh, by the, I don't know, halfway mark, I lose interest in my phone, and I am sucked into this film. Um, I, I laugh, uh, there's some really cool stuff with the performances in this movie, um, so yeah, I am definitely a fan. Uh, at the time, I didn't have the uh, current rubric system that I have in place at BerkReviews.com. I was still like trying to decide how to rate movies. I think I started with ten stars, and I was like, "This is really hard to decide where it falls in ten stars." Um, at the time, I gave it six. I definitely don't think that's where I would put it now. I think I would go eight or nine, um, and I would lean for the rubric system. I think must see. Um, I really think this is a funny film, and it's satirical in a lot of ways. Um, and there's some really interesting like tr- uh, history with this movie that we don't usually read the IMDb trivia, but I think I'm going to read some because I just think it's really fun uh, with this particular film. So I like it, but I want to hear your thoughts, Corey. What was your no- spoiler-free review of Dr. Strangelove? And I'll stop there. I won't say the whole name. Okay, great. Um, I enjoyed it. 
I may watch it again down the line. Um, I love that it was like right at an hour and a half because for some reason going in, I thought it was going to be like two hours mm-hmm. or more. Yeah, it makes it feel like does it. I think because it's got Kubrick's name to it, it just you assume <laughs> yeah. it's going to be we're, epic. Yes, and we we're both saying that, but we both enjoy Kubrick. Um, but I don't know. I felt like there was just way too much talking at the beginning. It was hard for me to like absorb everything that was happening. Mm. And then Bill was like having to tell me stuff. <laughs> and, I mean, I was watching the whole time, but it was just like blah 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 blah. And I don't mind a lot of dialogue, but I need some movement in there too. Um, made me uncomfortable. Um, you know, just as a person who, you know, doesn't want to die from a nuclear bomb. Well, yeah, and that's definitely <laughs> the satire, and it's definitely um. When watching older movies, it's really helpful to know the context um, of, like, the the mindset of the time period. Because this is clearly uh, the Cold War is... Cold War. Yeah, and the fear of communism is really strong in this movie. Um, the whole uh, fluoride thing, which we'll talk about when it's not... Um, when we're in spoilers, but uh, that's... I'm sure... I have not done my research to find out if there was a uh, conspiracy into it. Um, at the time, but I'm sure there was, and that's what Cooper's with the fluoride. Yeah, um, in real life, I mean to say. Um, well, I know people that are like, they think oh, that it's still yes, yeah, like, it's still from relevant. nuclear waste and all kinds of things. So right now, 2018. And, and um, really oh, keep going, Corey. Yeah, this is your your time to talk. No, that's fine. I'm just looking up about uh, water fluoridation fluoridation but yes but let's not go too much more in detail because we don't want to get into where that comes into this movie but yeah um yeah i find a lot of this uh like you said though with nuclear war yeah it's definitely scary and um i don't know i really i really uh want to hear your thoughts i can't (laughs) you just said that because i started talking again no i'm kidding um i wonder how people watching it in the 60s felt Mm. And I saw that it was based on a book. Ah. So at the beginning, they yeah, it does like say that. come yeah. up. And I think twice at the beginning, it says that they're, I think that they were really trying to cover their butts because it says two different times before the movie even starts that all the characters, all the events, all that stuff is, you know, fictional, not based on any real thing. So... I didn't even think about that part of it since it came out in 64, right? Well, some of the trivia, and again, IMDb trivia is always suspect. You never know how accurate it really is. But But some of the trivia actually, I think, gets into why those warnings were so important. Um, There was some concern about some potential legal investigations uh, for some of the stuff in the movie. So um, I don't think it would be spoilers, but we'll hold off until we start actually looking at all the trivia. Um, not that we'll read all of it, but there's some really fun stuff I think worth noting. Um, what'd you think about Peter Sellers in those three performances? I didn't realize that that was him in all three of those performances. So in that aspect, he was amazing. And I think Mm -hmm. that he did a really good job playing each of those characters so differently. They're completely different, right? Again, the way, yeah. And the way they shoot the Dr. Strangelove and the president, like, is they're in the same room. Uh, it's once you know they're the same person, it's very obvious why they f- they film it the way they do because they'll they'll film over the shoulder, but like the president's out of focus very clearly. It could be anybody. It wouldn't have to be the same person, and it obviously isn't because we're looking at the same person in a different costume. Um, 
and it's it's I've one of the things I've been really trying to wrap my head around. I I guess this is a spoiler, but the name of the movie, um, more or less the first part of the movie, because I don't feel like Doctor Strangelove is as significant a character as the title would imply. Um, but he sells it on the second part of the title. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, so you're right. That. You're right. Uh, and I mean, he's again. I don't want to spoil anything, so we'll hold off on getting into why. But like, I have um, a lot of thoughts on him. Um, uh, but the the standout to me this viewing was George C. Scott as uh, I'm gonna forget his name, General Buck Turgeson. Um, I I liked him the first time, but it didn't it didn't register like I it I didn't remember going into this him. I remembered Peter Sellers and how impressed I was with him. This time I'm watching with George C. Scott and I'm just like, holy crap, this performance is amazing. I don't know if you noticed how many pieces of gum he shoved in his mouth, like. <laughs> through the like, no. the course of uh he's in the war room and he is just putting gum away like it's nobody's business like i think almost every other time they cut to him he's putting a new piece of gum in his mouth and it's just like dude where are you putting the gum <laughs> like it's just like a weird funny quirk that's funny i didn't realize it was him at first because mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, the only thing that I remember seeing him in is The Changeling, and anyone that knows me at all knows that I love that movie. Yes. So, at first, I didn't realize it was him. And same with James Earl Jones. Do you know who he reminded me of? No. He he was so young, but he, he reminded was. me of the guy from Dawn of the Dead. Oh. I don't know that guy's up in name. The mall. Yeah. I oh, don't either. I need but that's to who I thought it was movie, at first. But... I love that movie. Well, I mean, this is what uh, t- uh, eleven years before Star Wars, where we won't see James Earl Jones, but he'll be the voice of Darth Vader. Um, yeah, and he like he still has that voice though, even in this movie with looking all young and everything. You still hear it, it's like, oh yeah, that's James Earl Jones. But um, and Slim Pickens, uh, who is that's not the character name, that's the actor's name. Um, he is the pilot on the the plane, the B fifty two, I believe. That James Earl Jones is the. Uh, bomb technician i don't remember what his title was um but yeah it is uh oh man the premise even is just it's so straightforward and simple yet it works really well because this this movie could be a drama like it could have gone with the dramatic side and this play out like for real um that this isn't you know there's no humor there's no lighthearted air of satire that you get i mean because it's definitely it's satire this was a real concern um, and apparently there's some things in this movie that were, like, too close to reality that made people, like, very uncomfortable as a result. Um, in fact, I think now, before we get into spoilers, I am going to, uh, you know what, let's get into spoilers and then I'll do the trivia that way, just in case there's anything in here, um, that people may want, not want to know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I'll take yeah, I was that say, was my cue. Yeah, so it was. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so bad at this. Um, guys, we're going to talk about this movie with the very long title um, in great detail. So if you want to go check it out first, please do so. But from here on out, spoilers, you've been warned. And unfortunately, I don't believe this was free on any streaming service. Uh, we purchased it on Vudu, um, I think, for a fair price. I think it was like 10 bucks or something like that. So, um but honestly, I, I'm glad I own this now because I really like this. I kind of wish I bought it on Criterion because I love the Criterion box art for almost every Criterion movie. <laughs> Except for Breakfast Club. 
Yeah, super generic Breakfast Club. Um, the regular poster, I think. And the original, there's the Royal Tenenbaums that I got from you uh, is the cool box art, but there was another one beforehand that was just the regular poster from the movie, and oh, I'm nice. glad they had the cool artwork because that's why I like the Criterion Blu-ray so much is you get awesome box art. Um, and obviously there's great features and stuff, but I mean, really, like, to me, if it's going to sit on my shelf, I want the art to look unique and, well, look like Criterion. It needs to look, yeah, it needs to look different. I feel like that's one of the things that you're investing in when you buy them. Yep, that's how I feel. And so, I uh, agreed. The Breakfast Club is disappointing. I, I don't understand why it's not a drawing of them or something, you know? It could have uh, been so cool. They could have like, done, like, the take on me. Like, sketchy yeah. drawings. That would have been rad. Um, so, here's some trivia, all right? Uh, the film led to actual changes in policy to ensure that events depicted could never really occur in real life. Um, so while shooting aerial footage over Greenland, the second unit camera crew accidentally filmed a secret U.S. military base. Uh, their plane was forced down and the crew was suspe- uh, suspected of being Soviet spies. Um, Peter Sellers was paid $1 million, which was 55% of the film's budget. And uh, that that's crazy, right? Okay, so I posted this on Instagram, but there's a scene where uh, General Turgeson is uh, getting very uncomfortable about the Russian ambassador being in, uh, being invited into the war room, and he goes to back up, and you see him fall down. He rolls, stands up, and then points to the big board. He like legit fell, but just kept acting, kept rolling with it. Hell yes! And, and so. Um, Kubrick mistakenly thought that it was George C. Scott really in the character, so he left it in the film. Didn't realize that, like, the dude almost got hurt. And if you watch it, you can kind of see on his face that he's, like, a little, like, embarrassed slash shocked. But it fits in the moment, because he's so, like, he's like, no, he can't do that, because he'll see the big board. Which made me laugh so freaking hard. Um, apparently Peter Sellers improvised most of his lines, which I think was his M.O., but I usually don't like improv in dialogue because a lot of times it feels like improv i don't feel that way at all with seller's performance like the phone thing the uh the change request later like when he's that trying was to... so funny oh my god i'm dying and even when he's trying to convince um general jack d ripper i hope you all caught that name because i sure did um to like surrender and stuff it's so like nonchalant and natural it just really 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 worked um deal of editing okay oh uh apparently during the dr strange love like freak out session the reason why it cuts in like so often like we're cutting close and we cut away from him, is the people around peter sellers were like laughing their butts off and they had to like cover up the laughter by cutting in close to dr strange love um trying to see what else here it was reportedly annoyed that stanley kubrick was... oh uh apparently george c scott did not like stanley kubrick's um style of directing um, and after this movie, he vowed to never work with Kubrick again. Uh, although Scott does claim that this is one of his best performances. So while he didn't like the, the methods, he does like the results. Um, and apparently, especially I'm given that he's an improv comedian, Peter Sellers was not keen on multiple takes, which obviously, if you know any of Kubrick's uh, legendary directing yeah. stories, he is a perfectionist and will do as many takes as he thinks he needs to get the best out of the actor, which is um, The Shining. Notorious. I think he did like 90-something takes before she finally lost her mind, um, which is what he was trying to do. And uh, I'm trying to find... There's one that I really thought was funny. Oh, here it is. Uh, James Earl Jones initially thought Slim Pickens 
uh, was staying in character. Because, you know, he's got that real thick country accent and he's got the cowboy yes. hat. So in between shots, James Earl Jones thought he was like a method actor and he was just staying in this character. But no, that's just Slim Pickens. That's who that guy is. <laughs> uh, and so it took a while before Earl, James Earl Jones realized that, no, this guy's just this way, um, which I think is super funny. Um, all right. So I think that's enough of the trivia. Um, I really enjoy a lot of this movie um jack the ripper is crazy and i totally think the premise that this person who is in power and has like the ability to manipulate the system from inside who is paranoid and maybe completely delusional um would would do this especially you know with the fear of communism which is there's all these plans in place that actually made it impossible to uh, easily retract this, you know, horrific incident where all these planes were coming um, to blow up Russia. But um, there are so many things. Sellers makes me laugh almost every time he gets to do anything in this movie. But George C. Scott's character has some of the funniest lines, including he'll see the big board. Like his reliance on the big board is so freaking funny to me because he references <laughs> it. I thought that board was really cool looking aesthetically, but I'm also mm -hmm. like, how the hell would you even know what that is? You know yeah, what I mean? If yeah. you don't know, because it's just a bunch of like lit up lines or like, I don't even know how to describe it. It, I don't know. Yeah, don't for know. sure. No. Um, and then there's that whole, we mentioned the water fluoridation, which is ultimately revealed to be uh, what set Jack the Ripper off in did you catch all of that, like that conversation where he's telling uh, Peter Sellers about, like he why he only drinks distilled water or rainwater and um, some grain alcohol, um, and he gets into the fluoridation. But when he has the revelation about fluoridation, did you catch what it what it was? No. So my interpretation, because he says um, the. Uh, it was, he was in the midst of the act of uh, physical love or sexual congress or something. Oh, that's right. That yeah. He thought that they were ruining, like, puddly fluids, right? Yeah, well, because the fluoride gets into you. But what I think, to me, what I took that to mean is that he went to have sex and suddenly couldn't get an erection. Hmm. And he's blaming this fluoride because he had never had any problems before and I, I think that's kind of the idea here is that it's the fragile male ego being kind of criticized like which is ironic in a movie where there's one female character who is a floozy secretary who's sleeping with her boss and apparently with other men from the base because she's talking on the phone and acting like she's like familiar with them the same way she's familiar with Turgidson Turgidson um, I just thought it was funny she was trying it's his secretary and i'm like yeah. girl well she is but yeah she's uh <laughs> more than that um and yeah so the only female character in the movie is not painted in the best light but i do feel like uh that's kind of the the a point kubrick's making with 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 jack the ripper in that conversation i could be wrong maybe i'm reading too much into it but just the way he's saying it when he had the revelation was like he's got there's no way it's him that's underperforming something must be causing it and the most likeliness is that he was drinking unclear water at the time and there's fluoride in the water because the commies are trying to control us you know um that's to me my interpretation of his 
the this plan was that this man went to have sex with a girl couldn't do it clearly it's something else not him and uh yeah and it leads to nuclear war which sounds like something a man would do you know well um i'm reading on wikipedia which is also anybody can edit it but it says that uh kubrick tricked scott into playing the role of general Turgidson far more ridiculously than scott was comfortable doing kubrick talked scott into doing over-the-top practice takes which kubrick Mm. told scott would never be used as a way to warm up for the real takes and then he used those final uh used those takes in the final film and that's what made scott swear he would never work with kubrick again (laughs) i Uh, think that's funny that's really funny and and a little shady but i mean you know well look at how i mean we all have heard about the shining Mm. you know i don't feel like yeah. I don't feel like he's going to get what he wants from people if he goes in, I don't know, like, well, you know, and does things at face value. And while those movies all are pretty phenomenal, we do have to be, like, you know, mindful of what we're condoning. Oh, yeah. yeah, like, is it okay to mistreat someone even if what you get is really good art? Like, should it be accepted? You know, like, is what means is too far, you know? And, uh, yeah, um, but without question the uh the product that he's been able to put out over time is pretty phenomenal so um i think all these movies will hold up and they have held up so far um i still have some major gaps of kubrick i've never seen eyes wide shut um i haven't seen uh, as i mentioned clockwork orange partly because i know enough about that movie where i'm very uh not comfortable with one of the major moments that happened i just can't get through the book i always get to the same part early in the book and i'm just like what the hell is going on here and then i'm done but i've tried like three or four or five times you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. it's like i don't want to watch the movie without i don't know reading the book first yeah um i am uh not going to read the book but i am going to watch the movie eventually i do have it i i just haven't yet but i am i'm i'm in i just i know the singing in the rain sequence and i'm i don't know that i want to watch it and yet you know if i'm going to watch the movie i have to watch that scene so yeah um that's one of the reasons i've avoided it um plus i am slightly apprehensive of the the cogni uh english because i did like start to read the book at one point and i i got like two pages in i was like yeah this is this is nonsense to me i don't know what's being said and just decided to give it up but um as far as dr strangelove though uh, we haven't talked much about him himself dr strangelove is a former nazi um who has a hand that is out of control he doesn't have control over it um it very much reminds me of evil dead 2 when uh, ash's hand becomes possessed um because he like bites it at one point and he's fighting with it and it's it starts doing the Nazi salute um, at, at one point in the film. Like it, that scene is so crazy because he's so composed and trying to be normal with this conversation. And then like, he's slipping into this like crazy Nazi, um, you know, and then I think he, he's standing at the end and he's just like, Oh my God, I'm standing. And, and then it just ends. Like it just goes, that's it. Uh, nuclear war happens and we are done. But that whole speech, like his plan, um, you know, hey, you know what? This is a chance to, to rebuild. We can bring people in. There's that very 
dark talk about having ten women per man kind of thing. Um, because and that they'll have to obviously be of up, extreme intelligence if the men are gonna repopulate like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Or and, attraction. Uh, yeah, or... they're not so concerned about their brains as much as they no, are. Sorry, they're. Um, that would be a nice turn. Like oh, we just need the the smartest women. Um, yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, it's very you know kind of scary talk. You know, oh, but we'll be able to rebuild in a few hundred years, you know, or a hundred years after this doomsday device goes off. And talking um, about how people won't be sad about what's gone on up above because they'll have so much hope for the future. Yeah, and I was like, mm, yeah, I would miss sunlight. <laughs> super dark. Um. And there are uh, movies that tackle that idea of like going underground and and l- like letting Earth rebuild or whatever. Um, I won't list them because some of those are spoilers. But um, th- like the Peter Sellers as the president, though the phone conversations with the Russian leader are some of my favorite jokes like ever. It, and it's all one sided, which is what makes it so good because you don't hear the Russian president; you just hear Sellers reacting and. It sounds like he's having a real conversation. I don't know if someone was on the other line or if he was just ad-libbing it, but the way he, he starts and stops the conversation... No, no, I'm not saying... No, I'm not saying that at all. Like, It just sounds so genuinely real, and it cracks me up so much. All right. So, uh, is there uh, anything else about the movie you wanted to discuss? Anything that stood out as good or bad? What about the uh, Slim Pickens riding the nuke bomb like a like a, a buffalo or a Mustang? I, I was like, why is he doing this? And then they all die anyway. So at least he had fun going down, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, he was committed to the cause, um, which, you know, you might argue is the satirical nature. Like, they were so determined to not let anything stop them from fulfilling their mission. Um, there, it was like blind patriotism, mm-hmm. but I don't even want to really say that because I mean, you know, you you want and... it's not total blind. I mean, there was a lot of reasons to believe that this action. Well, also they were lied to. They were they were yeah. told that the rush the Russians had to have attacked in order for Plan R to be allowed. Um, so that lie set everything in motion. I thought it was crazy how that general like set up everything on the base i'm forgetting his name right now um Mm -hmm. where no one would be able to come in so that he would be able to get all of this like he confiscates everybody's radios and Mm -hmm. you know think says that that'll be ways to spy for spies or whatever um to listen in on them tells his men to shoot on anyone who comes anywhere near the base he just like sets it up so that it can't fail and that's actually one of the things that I think is so strong about this movie um, is that it's a comedy that has uh, is well-written. It's smart. It's not just, like, stupid comedy. Like, the story is ridiculous at times, and characters go big and over the top, but the premises that are around them and why they do the things they do are all very well-structured and make sense. And I think that's when you have a craftsman like Kubrick behind it, you're going to get you know this this comedy that will last the test of time um in a lot of ways and it's not and then of course when you get a performance out of george c scott like you do in this movie and then peter sellers being peter sellers um i have not seen the pink panther films that he is in uh i believe i'm i hope i'm saying the right person Mm -hmm. here but um i mean i can't imagine not enjoying them because i really like him in this movie 
<laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Oh, Peter Sellers was in Lolita? He was. Oh, he's the detective in Lolita. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. Excuse me, man. Bless you. I apologize. Um, podcast Take some medicine. Listeners. I bet you're going to get sick. No, don't jinx Sorry. me. Sorry. I'm not trying to jinx you. I know when I start to get sick, I sneeze a lot. Mm. It's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I did not realize that. Yeah, I <laughs> now I do. Uh, I remember that now, but I I had forgotten that. Um, that was only two years before this. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, that is a big chunk of the budget, but he is playing three major characters, or like playing three... None of them are like, they're not just extra parts. They're in, integral to the, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're all, they're the almost the three leads. They're definitely like the three protagonists. Because um, Turgeson, you could argue as a protagonist, but he's also, you know, he's constantly like, he doesn't agree with what Jack the Ripper did. But he's also now like, well, since it's already started let's make the most of this, you know, like, let's go ahead and blow up Russia, you know, if we plan accordingly, we can make the most, and we can end communism right now, and so he does take kind of a dark opportunity, it's like, well, I didn't want to rob the candy store, but since the, the window's already been shattered, why not grab some candy, you know, mm-hmm. and so I kind of view him as an antagonistic character, but I definitely think uh, the president is clearly always looking to the side of right. Doctor Strangelove, he feels like he should be more of an antagonist. Like, you almost feel like this, at the end it's going to be revealed that it's his plot. But it's not. You know, he's just this crazy guy. Um, and then, uh, and I, God, even, like, the question, like, with the hand, I mean, it's hilarious. But, like, I feel like there's more to Doctor Strangelove that we don't get in the movie which is probably by design to make us talk about him and wonder more about him and speculate, you know, who, why was he there? How did they let this guy who was a Nazi, like in the war room in the first place, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I really, uh, found a lot of that to just be super funny. And so I'm okay with that because that the hand sequence is hilarious regardless of, uh, if it makes sense to like why, or, or at least, or even if we don't know why his hand is, possessed I, I did read something about it being like some type of disease where the hand like has a mind of its own or some crap like that i can't remember i think it might have been on the trivia page so it's probably nonsense but um it's still fun to read yeah well mm-hmm. Corey, where would you put this on the uh the old scale ah uh, you go first i'm gonna i'm going must see um i think this is a movie that's totally worth uh, visiting and watching. It's super funny. I love that the comedy holds up after all this time. Um, and I, I honestly, I think I had more fun watching it the second time around. I feel like I definitely do need to give it another watch. I'm... I always have to read. Because <laughs> um, I'm always stuck between two because I can't make things easy. I'll... I'm going to go with Musty Film. All right. I well, do think it's revolutionary, so, or, you know, significant. Yeah. Um, so there you have it, folks. Uh, Corey and I both really enjoyed Dr. Strangelove and, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, the Stanley Kubrick film. Um, if you haven't seen it and you've listened to the whole podcast, go ahead and watch it anyways. Uh, you are talking about the comedy cannot ruin the comedy. The comedy will have you cracking up unless you just don't have a funny bone. Um, we're going to continue with our political theme next week's episode 
we're going to be watching the 1962, so slightly older film, um, The Manchurian Candidate, which is available to stream on Prime. Um, it's also one of the top 100 AFI lists, which is one of the reasons why we're picking the 1962 one and not the Denzel Washington remake. Um, because I am, again, trying to get through all 100 movies. I am, I think, 58 of 100 at this point. Maybe 59. Um, and this will knock another one off. Uh, it has a 94 Metascore, 8.0 IMDb User Score. Uh, oddly, it has a PG-13 rating, which means they must have retroactively rated it because PG-13 did not exist till 1987. Um a former prisoner of war is brainwashed as an unwitting assassin for an international communist conspiracy. So again, going with that cold war theme, um, it stars an interesting, I don't think I've ever seen a film starring him, Frank Sinatra, Lawrence Harvey. And then one of the other reasons I really want to watch this version, Janet Lee, um, you know, the psycho fame and, uh, Angela Lansbury is in this movie. Um, it'll probably take me a little bit to realize that it's her quite possibly. Um, and it is directed by John Frankenheimer, uh, written by Richard Condon. That's the novel, George Ax- Axelrod, and somebody else. So um, I, I've heard about this movie. I think I am more familiar. I don't think I saw the Denzel version, but I think I knew about it. And I think the story has been uh, parodied in a few different entities. Um, so I'm familiar with the idea of it. And uh, it is currently, as I said, free to stream with Prime. So that's how I'll be watching it. Um we will uh we still have two more episodes in the political realm this month because november how it all fell we have five weeks this month um or at least five episodes of the podcast and so uh we won't tell you what those other two are going to be just yet because we have a couple floating around we want to leave a little bit of wiggle room if something changes um but for this next episode we'll be doing the manchurian candidate until then you can follow us on social media i am at burke reviews Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And you can uh, read all of my reviews at BerkReviews.com, and Corey does a few things every month as well on BerkReviews.com that you can check out. And uh, if you like the podcast, subscribe, uh, share it with your friends, put it on your own social media, and please rate and review because that helps new listeners find us. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com <laughs>